You're tuning in to Conversational Currency, Maryland's top small business talk show, hosted by Shandy DeLazer. Welcome to Conversational Currency, Maryland's top small business talk show. I am your host, the Sultan of Skype, Prince of Pinterest, and Lord of LinkedIn, Shadid QE Laser. And today, the Q stands for webinars. And on today's show, we'll be going into a deep conversation with a serious authority on the topic, Mr. Steve Werner. But before we get into that, today is National Coaches Day. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge the role of great coaching in my life. As a grown man, I sat back and realized one day, had the epiphany, that all the coaches in the rec leagues, Pop Warner, Farnham House, YMCA, Pillars, that I've used to define my character, overcome obstacles, learn discipline, all of the coaches in these institutions were all volunteers. In fact, from an adult lens, I also realized that my coaches were imperfect people who simply had the heart to be the change that they wanted to see. Despite their setbacks, they simply wanted to make a difference. Now, when I first prepared my notes for the show, I was only planning to highlight two men who made a phenomenal impact on my life and my mindset. These two men are Coach Robert Davis and Coach Gary Moore. There were two aspects that changed how I viewed things. There was one rule, which was practice is canceled if Coach Davis is dead or I am in jail. This means that rain, sleet, or snow, the show is going on. This taught me the early lesson of the value of showing up and consistency. The other rule or the other mindset is the us against the world mentality. There were many other schools and programs athletically who have more funding and resources, but on game day, when it's time to lace up the shoes and compete, you had to prove you were better than us. The ability to show up in the moment has stuck with me throughout my lifetime. Now, as mentioned, I plan to only highlight them too, but as I reviewed my journey throughout life, I started to understand that coaches have made all the difference from Mr. Riccio, who was a 56-year-old plumber who coached our basketball team in elementary school, to later in life with Christina Salmon and David, taught me everything that I know in judo, to Denilson Pimenta, Charles Gamble, Mike Johnson, Ataish Raphael, and all the great coaches throughout my life. Coaches need coaches, advisors need coaches, people need coaches. Now that we've paid 
proper homage, let's transition into our Conversations with Experts feature segment on the subject of death to bad webinars. Welcome to Conversations with Experts, where we explore strategies to improve your business and life. Welcome to Conversational Currency, Maryland's top small business talk show. I'm your host, Shadidi Laser. Ladies and gentlemen, communication is a superpower, and Conversational Currency examines the value and importance of social skills for business in a digital era told through the lens, the stories of today's business and thought leaders. Now, through the story of my guests, as well as current events, we'll answer the question, if you were able to say the right words in the right moments, every man or woman in a business selling, how different would the quality of your life be? Success starts with seizing the opportunity, and right now is your chance to grab the Digital Assets Execution Plan, which is your step-by-step guide to package your skills and create digital assets to escape the time for money trap. Your next step is to browse mrshadid.com forward slash assets and claim your free plan. In this conversational currency exclusive interview, you will learn about the world of webinars and best practices through a simple approach to presenting your presentations in an engaging way that will grow your bank account. The gentleman that I have the honor to speak to left his corporate job six years ago to change lives through live events and the magic of public speaking. Since then, he has held not one event, not 20 events, but 63 sold out events for not only his business, but his clients. And he has delivered more than 138 various presentations on a number of topics. I have the privilege to speak to a man who has delivered his message on more than 200 live and virtual stages, including Harvard's Business Summit on the topic of marketing, influence, and conversion. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I bring to you Steve Werner. Now, Steve, welcome to the program. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you so much for that amazing intro. I am excited to be here and have a conversation with you. Very, very awesome. Now, Steve, every hero has a story. And of course, you have yours. How did you become so passionate about uh, delivering webinars. Where did this origin story start? Take us through the the journey. I mean, my mom would tell you as a little kid, I was always standing in front of people. I always wanted to talk to everybody. And I always, always loved being on stage. I, I narrated our school play in second or third grade. But that wasn't, I think that was in the back of my head somewhere. Where this really started, though, I, I worked in corporate corporate America in restaurants. And 2013, I went to a Tony Robbins event. And I mean, Tony Robbins is great. But I was like, you know what, I can do that. 
and I can change people's lives. Like I love seeing people's lives change. I love seeing like seeing the light bulb gone over their head and seeing them have a new experience. And not only did Tony share great information that affected me at the event, but I was watching how the event was run. What was he saying? Uh, I've always been, always been a proponent of like communication and how you talk to other people is what's really important and what really gets your message across, whether you're selling something or whether you're just having a conversation that's really what changes things. And I left that Tony Robbins event in 2013. I knew I wanted to do my own business. I had had a business in college, which I built and sold before getting involved in restaurants. And then I, so I knew I had that drive again. And I kind of made that decision coming home from that event that this is how I was going to move forward. So that's, that's the impetus that started all of it. Hmm. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when we, dissect the the stories of success one detail that steve has shared is the idea of reverse engineering i I want you to ask yourself when you're attending a event or you're taking part in a learning experience are you looking at the what you're learning or are you taking a look at the entire production that is an excellent tip excellent insight that uh, Steve has shared with us. Now, when we talk about your experience with live events and delivering so many presentations, what have those experiences taught you about the art of the webinar? A ton. It's, I mean, it's like any other thing that you want to get great at, you have to practice. The first speech that I gave was about probably a year and a half, probably 16 to 18 months after that Tony Robbins event. I quit my job. I moved to Las Vegas. I built a live events company. I failed at my first event miserably, but I did go speak at another event. And then I built a much smaller event for myself and I started speaking. And what I did, so many people, when they, when they're given the chance to speak on stage, if you're listening to this and you're in business, you've probably had this happen. Somebody asks you to come share and you're like, okay, yeah, I know how to talk about that. So you put it off and you put it off and then you start writing your deck or your speech on the plane there or three days before because we we tend to procrastinate the things that are painful for us. And then you get up on stage and this was my first experience. Let me know if this is similar to yours or if you're listening to this, see if this resonates with you. The first talk I gave, I was like, I know how to do this. I'm just going to go from the hip. I have some very, very vague outline slides. I got up and I taught and I taught and I taught and I thought I did great. But when I looked out, I saw people, some people were falling asleep. Some people had left the room. Some people looked like their eyes were glazed over. And then there were a few people that were paying attention. Does that sound about, about right? Yes. (laughs) So I got done and I was like, man, I gave them so much. And if you've ever said that, I want you to think you're feeding your ego. I was feeding my ego. I'm so great. These people are going to listen to me. They're going to get so much from it. And then I got off stage. I was like, well, I gave everything I had. If they were falling asleep, it was because they didn't have enough coffee or whatever, right? A million things that you can come up with. I did have a few people come up and say, you know, that was great. I learned so much. I got all these notes, but nobody bought. And the thing that I had a mentor at the time, Dan Kennedy, And I shared with him my experience and he said, well, first off, because I was excited that I had filled my event, I'd made like eight grand 
which at the time seemed like a ton of money to me. And he was like, you're an idiot. Like he's, he's Dan Kennedy's known for being point blank blunt. He was just like, you're an idiot. And I said, well, why? And he said, first off you speak and you sell your number one job as speaking is not to give them information. Your number one job is to get them excited and to show them why they should be excited about what you're doing. It's not to share information. And this is, this is the key. And it goes back to ego. And he called me out. He was like, your ego is what's standing in your way. Because when you're on stage and you want your ego fed, you want to feel like you're a great presenter. You want to feel like you're doing everything you can. And you want to blame them for falling asleep. What he, what he told me is you have to take responsibility for their reaction. You have to take responsibility for entertaining them. You have to take responsibility for everything. And I want to compare it to Michael Jordan. Uh, have you watched The Last Dance? I have, yes. I mean, such such a good show. The thing that stood out to me about Michael Jordan and his, his career is he took ultimate responsibility for every single piece of the game. If one of his teammates wasn't playing well, it was his fault. If he missed a shot, it was his fault. He didn't work out hard enough in the gym. If the ref made a bad call, it was his fault because he should have played it differently. Like he took ultimate responsibility for everything. And I've talked about this other places, but I feel like the main thing that separates the successful, like the, the mildly successful from the ultra successful in business is taking responsibility for everything. You look at Elon Musk, you look at Steve Jobs, you look at Mark Cuban, they took everything is their responsibility. And for the things that you absolutely cannot control, you have to control your inner dialogue around so that you don't beat yourself up for it so that you find a way to make the difference. I know that doesn't directly correlate to speaking in front of people or webinars, but it it's what opened my mind to, okay, what books do I need to read? Who do I need to be studying? How do I need to learn how to talk? Why should I spend the extra minute to walk from one side of the stage to the other to visually anchor people? What does that even mean? And through that, it made me learn how to be a great presenter, how to tell amazing stories, how to speak in a way that made a difference, got people to lean in and got people excited. So over the next, from that first speech through, I would say probably the next year, year and a half, I spoke everywhere I could. I went to rotary meetings. I went to clubs. I went to meetups anywhere I could speak. And I practiced, practiced, practiced. I would record it and I would go listen to it, which is one of the most painful things you'll do in the beginning, but it will change the way that you speak very quickly. That's just the, let's unpack this and, and, and just walk through this ladies and gentlemen. So what Steve has shared is first of all, one of the, the key ingredients for success is that he did not exist on an island. He went to a mentor and said, okay, this is my, my progress. This is what I'm planning to do. And how did I perform? Now, many of us don't uh, do well with the, the tough criticisms that allow us to grow and be the best that, that we can be. But in that wisdom uh, was some vitamins for growth that he used in order to, to take that next step. The analogy to Michael Jordan and the Last Dance documentary is brilliant in that the accountability needed to go from good to great 
is what many entrepreneurs lack because of that fear of criticism, because of that unwillingness to put themselves right on stage and be uh, criticized by uh, their peers, by the world, by the, the market itself. And so finally, there's oftentimes many people who fear putting themselves in the arena and delivering over and over again. And Steve took that, that mindset and just flipped it over and said, I'm going to appear everywhere and, and hone my message and my craft. Now, Steve, I, I want to stay on the, the, the tangent here or the, the idea of inner accountability and ultimate accountability in that it's, it's very important. It's very important. Now, when we talk about webinars, it's often it's it's a production in itself where the landing page, possibly your lead magnet, the presentation itself, the the emails 60 minutes before, 30 minutes before, you're using text messages, the, the performance during the webinar, the webinar replay. There's so many different aspects, roles, skill sets that are involved. Now, from an ultimate accountability standpoint as it relates to entrepreneurs, what do you feel is the, the delineation point between what part should the entrepreneur take on in the beginning versus delegating or allowing other team members to, to help to hone, shape, and craft when it comes to webinars? Sure. So that's a really good question, and we're getting into the technical side of it. So the first thing is, as the person giving the webinar, you have to build the deck and you have to present it. So you have to practice it. The reason that I'm telling you, you have to build the deck. Anyone that I work with, when we're building their webinar, we'll build the speech. I have worksheets that we go through. We have everything laid out. In you building the deck, you will actually deliver it 100% better because you know how everything flows together. Your mind, as you're working through it, it's like building something, right? If you put together a desk, if you take the time to put together a desk, you know how things work. If the drawer doesn't work right, you know the screw that you need to go turn to make it fix, to fix it, right? If you know something isn't working, you know how to fix it because you put the time and energy into it. A webinar is a thing of love. It is the number one way, in my opinion, that you can get your message out online because you're, you're attracting the people who want the knowledge that you have and you are given 30 to 60 minutes to share your knowledge with them and get them to know and trust you. One of my favorite quotes is Zig Ziglar. He says, sales is nothing more than the transference of certainty and enthusiasm about what you sell from yourself to the client. And the number one way that you can do that is to talk to them. Webinar does that beautifully when it's done correctly, but you have to practice. You have to know how your slides are laid out, how they go into each other. As far as the funnel and the emails going out, so this is something a lot of people actually had a conversation with a client this morning about this. Your emails just need to be short and sweet with a really good subject line that's curiosity-based that gets, all you're trying to do is get that headline in front of them and remind them, hey, you've got this training in 30 minutes. The other thing is once you've done the webinar and it's good, put it up as a VSL that people can opt in and watch at any time. It does not have to be a live webinar. Live webinars always perform better, but a VSL will get the job done some amount of the time and done beats perfect. So 
if you record, if you practice five or six times and you have a good recording, put it up where people can get to it, put it on the thank you page of your lead magnet. That's a really easy way to get people there. Put it up on YouTube. You can put it on Facebook as a Facebook Live, drive some traffic to it. There's a lot of different ways that you can use a quote webinar, which is nothing more than a video sales presentation. Hmm. Does that, that give you a little bit? Excellent. It's excellent insight in that within there's a number of strategies that are very intriguing where you take the webinar, which we often put on a pedestal as the ultimate tool to build a no like and trust factor to run it as a, a Facebook live a rebroadcast or uh, use it as a uh, VSL or put it on a uh, thank you page after someone opts in. These are excellent ways to repurpose this, this presentation because it leads to that ultimate goal of no trust, which is uh, so important. Now, in delivering so many webinar presentations, I, I get the feeling that my audience wants to know, what makes a webinar bad? Sure. So the first thing I want you guys to just take a moment, close your eyes. I want you to think back to high school. Think back to your favorite teacher. Think about what their class was like, what they looked like, what they talked like. Now I want you to break for a second and I want you to go and I want you to think about all the other teachers. I want you to think about your least favorite teacher. You'd walk into their class and chances are, that they would teach, they would lecture, they were boring, they were monotone, you would sit down, you would fall asleep, you would pass notes, you'd talk to your friends, or if you're like me, you just leave out the back door. What is the difference between these two people? The first thing, the person on the left, the one that you didn't like going to their class, I'm holding up my hands, I don't know if you guys can see them. The person that you didn't like going to their class probably taught more. They were busy teaching. The person that you liked taught less, but was more engaging. They told stories. They knew your name. They probably used humor. They, they did things to engage you in the learning process. They probably taught way less. People come to your webinar because they're interested in the topic, right? Let's use taxes. Taxes are probably the most boring thing in the world. When I'm looking for somebody to do my taxes, I don't want to hear all the algorithms and theories and spreadsheets that you're using because that stuff goes over my head. Our brain, the minute we have to start processing something, starts to slow down. It's like a computer. If you dump all of that stuff on me, I'm going to start to fall asleep. I'm going to get bored. I'm going to look at Facebook. I'm going to grab my phone, especially on a webinar because it is not in a live presentation room. I'm going to leave. I might turn my camera off. I might still be here, but I might be on my other monitor doing something else. The difference is, let's go back to the tax guy. What you want to know is, does this guy know what he's talking about? Is he somebody that I know and trust? Well, how do you build a know, like, and trust factor? You show that you've gotten past clients the outcome that the people there are looking for. So you use testimonials, but not normal testimonials. You use case studies that are 30 this 90 seconds max short case studies that show that you've gotten the outcome. The second thing that you want to do is use humor, jokes, stories, and entertainment. Charisma cannot be overrated. 
on your webinar, if you are charismatic, if you're telling great stories, if you're using your tone of voice, you should always have your camera on so people can see you talk with your hands. That transfers energy, certainty, and excitement to the people listening. This is how you become somebody that they know and trust. So the first one, use the case study testimonial. Second, use stories, use humor, be exciting to talk to, right? It should be fun for them to learn. The third thing is don't teach, give them one big aha. So the big aha of all of this is it is much better to be entertaining, charismatic, and give them one big moment than to try to teach 10 years of knowledge in a 30 minute segment. What do you think happens? I mean, just logically, if you try to cram 10 years of knowledge into 30 minutes, does it work? Never. Right. People are going to fall asleep. You're going to go way over their head. So this is how I break this down for people. You are at an eight, nine, or 10 in your level of knowledge. The people coming on your webinar are probably a one or two, maybe a three. Your goal is to move them up one level, no more. So think of them as being at a second or third grade level. You want to move them up one level, which means you teach them one big aha, and you shouldn't be having to teach it. I gave you this in a story earlier when I talked about the high school teachers, right? That gave you one big aha. That's all I need you to learn in this webinar or this presentation, right? I mean, that's the same story I tell in my webinar because it's powerful. It gets people to have the light bulb go on over their head. It's engaging. I'm asking questions. See how that's different. 90% of the webinars, you've probably been on a webinar in the last six months. And that was really, really boring. And it was because somebody was trying to teach you a whole bunch of stuff. Mm. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I love how you mentioned charisma, which is something we often can't measure. And it is a factor in how you position it as a factor to creating engaging presentations, as well as the idea of being at an eight through 10 in terms of knowledge and helping the attendee to climb up the next uh, rung on the ladder. So that is is so important. And you you drive it home and make it uh, crystal clear. Now, when we talk about great webinars, and we talk about bad webinars, we, we, I want to go back to the, the Steve Werner who said, you know what, this, this first presentation wasn't the best. And if you were able to hit the rewind button before you deliver that presentation, those are the people I'm looking to address. And what are the bare bones that you need to host an adequate standard webinar? Sure. So if you're putting together your presentation, I'm going to go two different sides of this. I'm going to give you the technical side, and then I'm going to give you the, the what you what goes in the webinar. So for building your webinar, the three things that you want to focus on. First one is stories. You should have your hero's journey story should be somewhere between four and 10 minutes. That is the main way that you are going to show that you had the same pain points that your audience has, and you're going to get them to lean in, and you're going to show them that how you learned or earned to solve their main problems and why they should trust you. That hero's journey goes, usually it starts about the three or four minute mark in good webinars. That's because you bring them on, you get them excited, and then you show them why they should learn from you. 
a lot of people go straight into teaching, which is not the way to do it. The second thing is you need good stories around your teaching point. That teacher story I gave you is a great one. That works really well for what I do with people. You need to have a story. I call them similar stories, right? Simile stories. You want a story that shows before you teach. The last piece is when you sell, you need to ask permission to sell. And you need to have a value stack. So a value stack is where you have the main thing that you're selling. The minute that goes up on stage, this is why this is important. The minute that goes up, people say, maybe. Very few people buy right then. It doesn't matter how much value you pack into that first thing that you put up. Most people are going to say, maybe. Think about this. Any big, any decision that you've had that's more than a couple hundred dollars, you're going to buy a car or you're going to buy... I don't know, something, what's a thousand dollars? What have you bought lately for a thousand bucks? A computer. Yes. Right. So you go and you look at it, even though you know you want to buy it, your brain says maybe because the emotion says buy the logic says, I'm not sure. So you put the main offer up on screen as the stack. Then each line item under that you want to break out and don't teach Instead, show the result that each line item gets. This is where the logic will get in line with the emotion and it will move people towards buying. This is why value stacks are so powerful. People hate doing them sometimes because they're like, oh, I don't want to be salesy. You are doing your customer the biggest service because if they are still on, if you've put the main offer up with a price and they are still on, it is because their brain has said, I want this, but I need the logic in order to buy. That's what going through a value stack does. So the value stack should have your main item plus five line items plus two bonuses. That's the correct framework to use when you're building out your value stack. So that's that's like the bare bones of what goes into the webinar presentation. As far as the technical side, on the technical side, all you need is Zoom. If you have Zoom for webinars, I think it's 30 bucks a month. That will give you everything you need. You have a landing page with an opt-in. Here's the key to having people show up if you're doing a live webinar. You have to have a ton of raw, raw curiosity. It has to be like the three most painful mistakes that everybody makes when giving a webinar and how to avoid them. How to have your webinar done in, how to build your webinar in 24 hours and avoid the top three mistakes that people make. That's like a raw curiosity. You have to be there live to learn it. A lot of times though, people give away. So you'll notice there were things left out of that. The way you create curiosity is you leave things out of the headline. If a lot of people just give it away. They'll say, avoid this. They'll just give the mistakes, right? Or they'll give the what they're going to learn, which people then say, oh, I don't need that. It's not important. The other thing that you can do that works really, really well is we talked about have a lead magnet that drives to the, the opt-in for the lead magnet on the thank you page, have the webinar, and then have a 12-step email sequence that drives them back to the webinar over the next five days. That works almost as well as a live webinar. And that's just a VSL, but make sure your VSL is good. Excellent, excellent insight, especially with the additional strategy of the uh, 12-step email sequence that continuously brings them uh, back. Now, 
in this particular conversation, my crystal ball is is up and running, Steve. And there's there's quite a few people who are 100% convinced by our conversation that we're having that webinars are the future. It should have been the past. They say, why haven't I, I thought about this sooner? And they feel that they need to move forward for this. Can you briefly share the vision of how much easier running a business becomes when you implement a effective webinar strategy? Sure. So especially in today's day and age, right? What's the biggest thing? People are critics. They are, everyone out there is skeptical, especially if you're online, because there are a million gurus, there are a million people teaching things. Can I trust this person? The first thing they're going to do is Google you. The second thing is if you have video of yourself or you have a way to show your expertise in a way that is easily consumable and makes them like you, you will have such like all the sales process becomes so much easier. So a webinar does not have to sell a $2,000 product. It can, it can also sell a phone call. It can get them into your pipeline. It can sell, sell something that's two or $300 with an upsell. There are a million different strategies you can use for the back end of your webinar. The main key, though, is that it is a one-to-many sales technique that especially when it is done as a VSL or an evergreen, you don't have to be present for, but your enthusiasm, your excitement, your certainty about what you do and sell will come across and pre-frame the entire conversation. I've had so many people come to me, especially in the last four months, just from, I had a conversation with somebody And they said, you've got to check out this guy's video presentation. Check out this YouTube video that he did. Check out something where I was on video. And those videos have been created for a while now. But people come to me through them and they say, oh, I watched your video on story selling. Or I watched your video on the three biggest mistakes. Or I watched your video on how to shorten my webinar so that people actually paid attention through the whole thing. And I really wanted to have a conversation with you because I trust your expertise. That's what you want. That's, that's why a webinar is so powerful. It goes beyond just doing a Facebook Live or doing a YouTube video or doing a podcast because it is actually a lightweight sales presentation that teaches them one big aha. That is different than a YouTube video or a Facebook Live. You see how the, the difference is there? Yes, it definitely. And something I realized in you explaining the, the, the differences is that When we talk about webinars versus podcasts, for example, which can be considered two of the the greatest mediums or most effective mediums in establishing know and trust, the webinar I consider to be a presentation with an agenda. And throughout this, this conversation, you've mentioned the importance of teaching versus not teaching. And so when we talk about the webinar, it's, it's shorter and it allows for you to tell the stories, convey the case studies where podcasts, in order for them to be, let's say, considered effective, you're, you're generally teaching throughout the episode or the guest is oftentimes teaching some uh, topic or some story. So in itself, you, you, you've shown or demonstrated very simply how powerful 
the, the webinar can be. As we uh, start to wrap things up, Steve, what would you say after all this time of delivering your message to audiences and taking your methods and helping others deliver their messages to audiences around the world, what would you say is your, your most profound recent aha moment, whether through yourself or through a client, when it comes to the art of webinars? The most profound, a lot of people, this is, this is a language trick and it changes everything. The key, one of the keys on webinars is to use language that gets people to lean in. But so many people, this goes back to the very start. We've talked about ego throughout this entire interview. When you get on a webinar and you start talking about I this and I that and we do this and that's one one kind of like negative tone. Instead, you want to talk about we as a community. You want to edify the people who come on your webinar. The reason that I love you guys for being here and watching this video is I know that you are dedicated to getting the most out of life. You're an action taker. You showed up because you value learning. You're edifying people. And you're making them feel good. A lot of people will say, you need this. You need to sell more people. You need to buy my product. You need to, you need to. Need creates this void, right? Like it's, I don't have something. I don't feel good. Instead, you want to show people, hey, you you are on this webinar because you want to know how to sell more people in a one-to-many format. You want to influence more people. You want to grow your business. And I applaud you for being here because you are an action taker. You are going to absolutely love this program because it does those things for you. All of that is positive presupposition and positive preframing versus need, which is negative. Some people will say that the negative sells more, but I don't believe that it does. I have definitely seen evidence that positive presupposition sells more. So how can you build that in? Well, that's done through stories. That's done through the case studies that we talked about. That is done through trial closes. The We took, there was a lady that I worked with. She did her webinar uh, the first week of January. And just through going through, she's been doing her webinar for one year every other week. She knows what she's doing. She's gotten results. I showed her how to change all of her wording and I made her practice it for two weeks. We switched all of her wording to positive presupposition. She went from closing 6% to closing over 10% just through that. And we added some emails more than more than like 40 to 50% of your sales will come after the webinar or after the VSL, but before cart close. For her, it was a live webinar with a four-day sequence. So we upped both her closes live and through changing her email sequence to do to have pre positive presupposition, get people excited, get people to future pace themselves. That helped close quite a bit more for her. Hmm. You want versus you need is is a world of um, abundance is a, a, a story that is replaying in in the mind of the person when those two uh, statements are uttered to them so that that is a golden nugget of thought that you just shared with us now webinars in themselves are 
like Rome. They're not built in a day. And many in my audience are convinced that it's the next step that they need to take. And so when we talk about the giveaway that you have, can you please share with us what the the giveaway is, as well as how it can benefit them on their journey to uh, webinar immortality? Sure. So it's, it's the five keys to webinar conversion, and it's five short videos with five worksheets. We take you through the story. We take you through the offer. We take you through how to lay things out. All of the point is that you'll have a framework when you go through it. It's not something that you'll sit down and do all at once. It's meant to be done over a five-day period. If you're an overachiever, you could sit down and probably get it all done in a Saturday with no problem. But the idea is that it takes you piece by piece because so many people, I think they're like, I can do this. And then they sit down and they think it's as easy as plugging things into a templated deck. If you start there, you're, you're going to fail because you'll figure out how hard it is or the webinar won't be engaging. You want to actually start with the stack, then you start with the stories, then you start with the testimonials, and then you tie it all together through transitions. And that's what the giveaway, what my product does. Hmm. www.death2badwebinars.com forward slash secrets. On behalf of Steve Werner. I'm your host, Shadidi Laser. You've been tuning in to Conversational Currency, where we examine the value and importance of social skills for business in the digital era told through the stories of today's business and thought leaders. In this session, you've learned the art, the science, the story behind effective webinars through the lens of Steve Werner's experience, both in live events through various business ventures, and simply delivering presentations over and over again. Now, you could have been anywhere in the world, but you chose to be here with us. And for that, we appreciate you. Thank you for tuning in to Conversational Currency. Thank you for tuning in to Conversational Currency, Maryland's top small business talk show.